Okay. Another day in paradise, that's what I say. I was thinking about what to talk about today, and I thought maybe we could talk about how to have a strategy to deal with the chaos. I know some of you don't watch the news, but some of us do. And if you watch the news, it's just, it's getting worse and worse and worse. It reminds me a lot of the 60s. And those who were alive and conscious in the 60s, you know, there's one thing after the other. Patty Hearst got kidnapped and then became a bank robber, you know. (laughs) You go, what the hell, you know. And it just kept going on and on and on. And then we had the war in Vietnam, and then we had the draft dodgers, and everybody went to Canada and liked it so much they just stayed there. You know, and it just, and then we had Nixon, of course, you know, and it was just like an amazing time. And I get the feeling that we're sort of revisiting it in 2022 in our own special way. You know, 2022 is a lot different um, in some respects, but you look at the global chaos, you know, and it's just that Boris Johnson had to, you know, leave and um, Russia wants to be king, and Ukraine is saying, no, not me. And then we have uh, uh, Taiwan and China that just came into the news recently again, and that's not good. And we just it's just time after time. So I'm thinking, okay, how can I use Buddhism to make my life a little better, to deal with all the stuff I've been watching? whether it be political or uh, super hot waves going, everybody's saying, you know, the earth is burning up because da-da-da, and we need to spend some money so we can save the earth because that's the only place we have to live, and nobody wants to spend enough money to save the earth. And, and for us, it really doesn't matter too much because we probably won't be here when the earth burns up. But our kids and our grandkids and our great-grandkids will be here. And so how do we deal with this stuff? How do we make sense of it? How do we come to a place of acceptance with it and not go insane? You know, there was uh, one of the online newspapers is the New York Post. And they always have the worst stories, you know, and the best pictures. And, And so... A guy in New York went into a McDonald's and ordered some fries and a hamburger, and the fries were cold. And he got into an argument, and he shot the guy behind the counter and killed him. And you're going, really, cold fries? Is that how much life is worth now? Nothing? You know? So what can we do as a human being? What do I do as a Buddhist? Maybe what I do could help you do what you're going to do to keep your sanity and not just decide I'm going to go to Bolivia and live in the mountains, you know. But there'd probably be something there, too, that would cause you to suffer. So the first thing we got to do is we got to practice the five precepts. Okay, now the five precepts are Buddhist, but they're actually human as well. And if all of you practice the five precepts at Leisure World, it'll be a much more pleasant place to live, I think. So what's the first precept? The first precept 
not to take life. Okay. So can you wake up in the morning and say to yourself, today, not only am I looking to be happy, but I'm not going to kill anything. And you walk out that front door with confidence that you can make it through the whole day without taking anything or anybody out. And then the mosquitoes start to attack you. And you walk into your kitchen and there's ants everywhere. And the dog just pooped on the lawn. And you, what am I going to do? I'm not going to kill anything. I've decided I'm not going to take life. Well, we have to create a workaround. We have to be more creative. We can't just react to the situation. We have to respond to the situation. So are there ways to get rid of ants without killing them all? Yeah? No? (laughs) Haven't figured it out yet? Well, you might have to kill a few, but you might be able to move the rest of them outside. They'll be back, but you just move them outside, give yourself a break. So the few ants that you have to kill, you want to do it in a skillful way. And before you take their life, you want to wish them a happy rebirth. Okay. And maybe they'll come back, you know, as a human which may or may not be better, depending on your viewpoint. Or they'll come back as a bee, you know, or something. So, so we can, and the mosquito, well, maybe we should just kill the mosquito. Because they have malaria. And, they, and those little ones now that you can't see, they come out, you know, just, in, in fact, they're out all day. But all of a sudden, my arm starts to itch as I'm feeding the cats. And I look down, and I got these little bumps. I'm going, oh, man. You know, do I offer myself as lunch to the mosquitoes and say, you know, take me, it's okay, I'll get merit for this, you know, man. So we want to look at life as being special, being rare, you know, we got that new telescope up there, it's like a million miles away from Earth and it shows, we're getting to how it all started, millions and millions of light years ago, we're seeing the light from galaxies and planets and suns. And yet, with all those galaxies, planets, and suns, how many are inhabited? How many have any kind of life? We assume that's the case. There probably is. So what, what is scarier to you? To be the only planet with life or to have other planets with life that we haven't met yet? Which one works for you? Now, if you're a science fiction person, like I am, You hope there's some other creatures out there, and it's going to be so much fun to meet them, and hopefully they won't kill us all. (laughs) You know, and there have been movies and books written about it all the time. But up until we meet them, this is it. This is it. I know Elon Musk wants to go to Mars and wants to take a few people along, and that would be cool. And you know what? I would volunteer. I wouldn't mind dying on Mars. I think it would be sort of cool to be one of 10 people dead on Mars instead of one of 700 billion people dead on Earth. You know what I'm saying? So I would go. Will I be asked to go? No, they're going to skip me. I'm too old. They need the young ones, you know, to start the colony, to, to create a population. Okay. So 
this is it. We, we've got no place to go. Life is important. And for some reason, we all made it. We're here. It's not in the future. We're here. And so what are we doing with our lives to make this planet a little better? Are we concerned about global warming? Are we going to go out and plant some trees? I know it's hard to plant trees here because you have to have permits and permission and all those kind of things because it's a community. But how about taking some little trees and going out to Angeles National Forest and just planting a couple, you know? That'd be so much fun. And now I understand when we die, we can be buried with a tree and be the food for the tree. How cool is that? She's got an important day today. They all want to. So there's all sorts of ways to make this place a little bit better, but it starts with not taking life. Number two, not taking what is not given. Can we live without stealing anything, without taking anything, without needing anything? You know, I love Amazon.com because it's so easy. You know, you get your little card in there and you just say, I want this, one-click purchase. And a couple of days later, it shows up here at your door. And you just go, man, this is so cool. And most of the stuff that I buy from Amazon.com, I wouldn't have even known it existed. They don't have it in department stores. Most department stores are closing. Mom and pop stores don't have They have created something. They are creating desire in us, and they are satisfying desire with one click. You go, whoa, how cool is that? But do we need all that stuff? You know, do we need the cat scratcher, you know, to scratch your cat or will your fingernails be good enough? You know, do we need all the different kinds of vitamins and supplements? Yes, we do need those. But there's a lot of other stuff we don't need, you know. And, and so I'm thinking to myself, yeah, not only is it more skillful not to steal, it's really skillful not to need, not to want and consume everything because you don't need all that stuff. And by the time you're ready to check out, you're going to have a bunch of family members fighting over all that crap you bought from Amazon.com. You know? <laughs> Save them the suffering. <laughs> write a check. You know, it's just like, wow. And my mother had the right attitude. My mother said to the kids, the four of us all together, she sat us all down. And, and she was in her late 70s when she said this. She said, I'm not leaving you anything. I'm going to spend it all. Okay, Mom. <laughs> and she did. <laughs> <laughs> So we weren't surprised and we weren't disappointed. She warned us, you know, and it was, it was just so funny. But, but yeah, I mean, it was her life and her stuff and her money. And she had created us and supported us and encouraged us her whole life. She did enough, you know. She got us started and kept us going. So I think she had the right attitude. Maybe not everybody feels that way about it. But don't take stuff and don't need all the stuff that you think you do. Number three, no sexual misconduct. 
You know, and I'm watching all the stuff on New York Post, and everybody's messing with everybody else, you know? And now Kim Kardashian and this other guy, they broke up. <laughs> they broke up. They were in love last month. What the hell? So it, you just look at this and all the stories over and over and over again about everybody coming together and separating and coming together and separating. And you just go, okay, sexual misconduct. Can we love somebody? Can we be uh, their partner in life as well as their lover? And I think as I'm getting older, I, you know, I, I don't think love is as important as it once was to me. I think kindness is much more important, and friendship, you know? And that makes a good partner. Otherwise, there's going to be drama everywhere. So I, you know, and of course, I'm lucky because I have precepts to follow, and I have a good excuse not to go in that direction. But it's like, okay, I know we need to have partners, and we need to have more people in the world, because this planet is underpopulated, <laughs> you know, and everybody wants to have kids. Even they're saving their eggs for later. You know, I'm going, oh, good. It's okay. Adopt, you know, get a dog, get some cats. You'll be happier and it'll be much more conducive to kindness and generosity than most relationships I've seen. Number four, speak skillfully. There was this guy, they just, the trial just ended, and he's a conspiracy theorist, and he said that Sandy Hook didn't happen. It was all a big conspiracy. And they took him to court, and they, he owes $50 million now because of what he said. Because of what he said, it's going to cost him $50 million. So speech, Wow. You know, that is an amazing part of karma that we have to guard against all the time. Because it's so easy to say the wrong thing at the wrong time, rather than the right thing at the right time. And number five, don't get high. Don't get high. I don't know, Aaron Rodgers, have you listened to Aaron Rodgers lately? They had an interview, you know, he's the quarterback for the Packers, my favorite team. They were interviewing him a couple days ago. Aaron, we understand you're taking psychedelics. Oh, it's changed my life. I haven't had a better year as a quarterback until I started taking those psychedelics. And I have much more love in my life than I've ever had before because of those psychedelics. And I'm going, you know, this is such old news. Ram Dass used to say the same thing in the 60s. Tim Leary, you know, started a whole movement over psychedelics. And what happened to them? They're all dead. <laughs> you know? I tell you what, the one thing I don't... I, somebody the other day said, do you, do you take drugs and stuff? I said, I don't have to. All I need to do is stand up quickly. I get the same results, you know? <laughs> so it's like, okay, we don't need that. As we get older, clarity becomes so much more precious. 
you know, they have all these drugs now to help you remember stuff and be more clear. And, and, and you know, it's a, yeah, it starts to go. We start to dim a little bit, you know. And, and so we don't want to over-dim it with drugs. You know, they don't work. The only drugs I take are vitamins. And some people, you know, say, well, you shouldn't even take vitamins. But I like vitamins because it makes me think that I feel better. But do they really make you feel better? I have no clue. But I've been taking them for so long and feel good about it that if I stop taking them, I won't feel good about myself. But aren't you sort of buying into the whole thing? I said, yes, I am. And I might even become a vegetarian. Then what are you going to do? You know? So it's like, okay, we, we need to do a little exercise. We need to eat properly. We might need to take some supplements. We, not, we need to get a good night's sleep, which is getting harder and harder for me, because I'm up at 4, you know. I go to bed at 8 o'clock. I'm up at 4. I just wake up. Well, it's 4 o'clock. What the hell should I do? What's on TV at 4 o'clock? You know what comes on at 5 o'clock? Route 66. <laughs> Remember that show? Martin Milner? Every day at 5 o'clock it comes on. I went, whoa, this is so cool. Me TV. It's a retro channel. You can get over the air with antennas, which I have antennas. And I'm going, well, I could watch Route 66. Maybe rather than that, I'll work on my website and post some stuff on Facebook. I'll put my time to good use. And then by the time 6 o'clock rolls around, I can go feed the cats because the sun is already up. And they're all waiting for me. And I get the cats fed by 7 or 8. And you know what I do at 9 o'clock? I take a nap. Because I'm exhausted. <laughs> you know, and my day just started. I'm, but, but 4 o'clock in the morning in, in downtown L.A. is the best time to be awake. It really is. There's so little noise as compared to 12 o'clock in the afternoon. And the air is a little fresher. And the sun's coming up. And it's just sort of like a nice start to the day. So, five precepts. Why do we want to practice the five precepts? It makes us more skillful. It allows us to live with other people in harmony. If everybody in the world practiced those five precepts, they'd be just great to live next to, you know? Because they're not going to kill you. They're not going to steal from you. They're not going to take your wife or husband. They're not going to lie to you. And they're not going to be drunk on your doorstep trying to get in your house because they think it's their house. You know, I mean, just thinking about that, it's a way to live in harmony. But it's for you because that's your karma. It's your karma. So your karma is everything you think, everything you say, and everything you do. So now we're talking about saying and doing. Those five precepts deal with saying and doing. That's our saying karma and our doing karma. And if we follow the five precepts, they'll be skillful and we will have good, positive, wholesome results. So your day will be better because you're more skillful in what you say and what you do. Now, it's, to me, it's sort of obvious, but the hard part is actually doing it, remembering it, you know? Think of it like being on a bus and your stop is coming and you pull the little cord and it makes the noise and the bus driver stops. Those five precepts are the cord. And if you're not sure 
about the situation you find yourself in, just pull the cord and reflect on the five precepts. You'll be much more skillful in the way you respond to that situation. Now, we've got to talk about the mind. Because the mind can be the biggest culprit in this whole model, or the mind can be our best friend. So there's something called the three aspects of Buddhist wisdom that we can use to understand the chaos in this reality we call life. Okay? Number one, the first wisdom is everything changes. Now, it's not profound. We all know that. But it is just amazing how many things change in different and not necessarily good ways. Or how quickly things change. Pandemic. That was the biggest change in my life. Two years, you know, of sort of not going out, sort of being afraid to go out, sort of wondering if you're going to make it through the next year because you might get COVID and you might die in the hospital and you have to have that thing in your lungs and, you, and all this stuff. And you're going, man, where did this come from? Why is this here? Everything changes. Everything, all those favorite restaurants that I had, most of them are closed. They couldn't continue because of COVID. They didn't get the customers and takeout didn't allow them to pay their bills and their mortgage and all the other stuff. And they just closed. Now, new places have opened up, of course. That's the deal. Everything changes. The old die, the young are born. Okay, that's cool. But the young, the, the born, the reborn, the young born, they're never the same as the old ones. It's always disappointing, you know? That favorite restaurant with that favorite meal, wow. They don't even have the restaurant nor the meal. How am I going to make it through the rest of my life without this restaurant? Well, there'll be something else happening. Everything changes. You're going to have to change. What you need to do, number one, is you need to unlearn, unlearn what you know. And then you need to relearn what's happening now. But the unlearning is the hard part because you don't want to let go of that stuff. We're comfortable. It's proven. That's why retro TV is so popular. Route 66. You know, if you saw two guys in a Corvette driving around the country, what would you think in 2022? Not the same thing you'd think in 1966. It's just everything has changed. All the rules are different. All the hopes and dreams are not the same ones that we had before. You know, because some of those dreams turn into nightmares, and we start to realize that hope is a fantasy. I hope it's going to happen. Well, that's a nice, pleasant thought to have about the future, but it's not very realistic. Hope is pretty unrealistic. If you want something to happen, don't hope for it. Work for it. Do something about it. You know, if you're going to, if you have hair like I do and you hope it's going to come back, just buy a toupee. Don't hope for hair coming back. Though I know that you go to Amazon, you can find some stuff that will make your hair grow. 
for twenty nine ninety nine. You know. So you just you just look at all this stuff and you go, wow, everything changes. Everything changes. Well, how about me? Do I change too? Everything changes. I guess I change too. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting old. I'm getting old. You know, and I, 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 it's so interesting now on, on YouTube, they have then and now actors, singers, celebrities, then and now. You know, and not everybody ages well. You look at some of these people and you go, damn. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what happened? Well, they weren't practicing the five precepts. They weren't taking their vitamin supplements. And they weren't eating right. And that's what happened. But it's just amazing. I mean, we're all genetically predisposed to age in a certain way. You know, and some age well and some don't. Some have a lot of physical challenges and some not so many. Some have mental challenges and some not so many. And we don't know what our ticket is in this lifetime, you know? We hope we're going to be one of the good guys and good gals, and we're just going to age gracefully and just look mature and intelligent and kind and sincere. We hope we're going to be one of those people. But sometimes, you know, it, it doesn't, didn't work that way. Karma, genetics, however you want to give meaning to it. So we need to be aware that every day we are changing, you know, and... and that's the deal. We're changing from the inside, and the outside is changing too, and there's no place to stop and stand and hold on to. Every day we have to let go of this day. Every day. So we can have tomorrow. If you think tomorrow is going to be like today, you're going to be disappointed. Because as I said in the beginning, this is the first day of our life. Tomorrow may be similar, but it's not going to be the same. We may see some of the same people tomorrow, but they won't be the same people. They'll be different too. Yet, we have this idea, thanks to ego and perception and education and experience, that all those people in our lives are the same as they've always been and they always will be. But it's a fallacy. It's a way of feeling comfortable in the midst of chaos and change and impermanence. That some things stay the same and some, some things don't. Nothing stays the same. So can you wake up in the morning and say, this is the first day of my life. I wonder what's going to happen. And then I have to let it all go. Because tomorrow's another day. Another first day of my life. So change is causing us to feel uncomfortable and stressed out because it's happening so rapidly and because of social media and computers and television and radio we have too much information it's just too much we can't handle it i don't think you know as they said in that movie you can't handle the truth <laughs> jack nicholson great great movie so we can't. It's too much. It's just too much going on right now. So can we apply the idea of change and letting go? You know? In one ear, out the other.
Now, our parents used to say that's not a good thing to do. But I think as we get older, it's the best thing to do. Don't get hooked in it. Don't, don't, don't get attached to it. Don't think it's any more real than anything else. Just, yes, I understand the world's coming to an end. Thank you. What time is the party? You know, we just go to the next thing, and the next thing, and the next day, and the next week, and the next month. Everything turns out for the best sooner or later. <laughs> Sometimes you have to wait for a really long time for the best to show up, but it happens, you know. Okay, that's number one. The second aspect of Buddhist wisdom we can use to give meaning to life is that life is ultimately unsatisfactory. Don't be surprised. We just had that example today. Somebody was feeling the breeze, forgot their hat, needed to wear socks, forgot the socks. There we go. I can't do it. It's, it's causing me to suffer and feel uncomfortable. And I know it's going to get worse unless I do something about it. Everything in this world is ultimately unsatisfactory. And why is that the case? Because everything changes. If you like it the way it is today, you're going to be disappointed tomorrow. You know? If you don't like it today, you may be happy tomorrow. But then that changes too because there's another day and another day. And you just go, man... Can't I find anything that gives me ultimate, unchanging happiness? According to Buddhism, no, you can't. So, how do you do it? How do you deal with that reality? I think the best way to deal with it is to enjoy it while it's here. 100%. Be part of whatever makes you happy in that moment, in that day. You know? But then... When it's time for it to go, you open your hand and let it go. You don't hold on to it any longer than it's supposed to be with you. And we don't know how much time that is. It could be, I, I might be happy for a week or a month. I just got the new car. You say to yourself, and it, look how beautiful it is. And then somebody dings it and you go, man, you know, I, I can't believe that I'm not going to be happy anymore with this car. Even after it's fixed, I know it's not perfect any longer. But the first few days you had that car, it was perfect, the perfect car. Even smelled good, you know. Wow. So you enjoy that moment. You're, you're 100% involved, connected to it, and then you got to let it go, everything. You find that perfect person in your life. How lucky am I to have this perfect person in my life? They got to go too one day if you don't go first, you know. And you may be married 50 or 60 years, which is unusual, but you might be, and you just can't think of even living without them. And yet, they don't have a choice, nor do you. Sooner or later, one of you have to go. And the worst part for me are the pets. Oh, Little Happy, the dog. Little Happy raised him as a puppy. We used to go on walks every day. I'd pick up his poop. He would thank me. <laughs> and then one day, Little Happy died. 
And how am I going to live without little happy? And then that new puppy comes into your life. You go, oh, you're back in another way. So as, a, as an adult, as, a, as an old guy, you can go through 10 pets in your whole lifetime. And you're always saying hello, and you're always saying goodbye, and each one just breaks your heart. Breaks your heart, even more than some humans do when they go. You know? Wow. So, but that's part of the suffering. That joy and happiness in the beginning turned to sadness and loss in the end. And that's what we deal with all the time. And Buddhism was so clear about that. Life is ultimately, not always, not every time, ultimately unsatisfactory because everything keeps changing and you have no control. You got no control. You're one of the contributing factors of why anything happens in your life. And there are 999 other factors that go into it. You're one. You're one of the contributing factors. Okay? There we go. So you try your best to change it, hold on to it, push it away. But you're just one. You can't. You get 999 other reasons why it's happening. And you have no control over those reasons. So don't get caught up in control issues. I, there's somebody that I know who, you know who's in a prominent position in Buddhism. Just a control freak. Got to control everything. Always, you know, manipulating, changing, holding on to, wanting it to be this way. Da, da, da. He's never happy. Not one day has he been happy. Because he doesn't control. He hasn't figured it out yet. So can you figure it out? Can you figure out I have no control over this happiness or this sadness? I can control the way I respond to it. I have that, that's me. So how do I respond to a pet dying? I'm sad. I say a prayer. I hope they have a good rebirth. Bury them. Put a little marker there. They're going to be with you the rest of your life anyway, if not in form, in your heart. You know, and you just go, okay, okay. So how do you deal with people that you don't like? You know, because that's going to make your life miserable too. You know, because a lot of times these people that you don't like are going to be there for a really long time. You know, and you wish there was some nice way to tell them to move on, you know, get their own life, but there isn't. And so you have to realize that maybe this is one uh, strategy that everybody's doing the best they can. Everybody has their own issues and their own hopes and dreams, even though those are fallacies. And, and they all want things to be their way. And if it's their way, then it'll be the right way. And you go, oh, God, not that again. Not your way is the right way. You know, those seven billion people want their way to be the right way. So we have to understand that everybody's doing the best they can. And some people have a lot of tools that they can use to make their life a little bit better and the lives around them a little bit better. And some people have no tools at all. They're just reacting one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. They don't know why everything's happening the way it is. And I wish I had a better life. And why can't I do this? And why? And you go, well, 
what, uh, do you meditate? Do you have five precepts in your life? Do you understand about things changing? Do you understand that everything's ultimately unsatisfactory and you want everything to be great and wonderful all the time? Could that have anything to do with how you feel about life and your life and the life of people around you? And you go, okay. So I think the kindness aspect becomes really important. That all those people that we really don't like, even if you don't like them, you can still be kind to them in your own way. And that might influence them in a positive way as well. But it's, it's difficult to be around people you don't like because you're not going to like everybody. You can't. There are too many differences in the world. You know? And it's hard to grasp and hold on to all the differences and make sense of them when your own life is always changing and evolving into something else. And you just want to like yourself. You know, sometimes it's really hard to like yourself because of what you think, say, and do. And sometimes you have to give yourself a little kindness as well. Say, well, you know, I just did the best I could. I just did the best I could. And it didn't work, you know? So what's wrong with me? Nothing. You're just human. And sometimes it doesn't work out the way you think it's going to work out. I gave a talk the other day, a couple Sundays ago. I'm going to move over from the sun. The sun is not my friend. So I, was, I had the option of moving. That was part of it. There were 999 reasons why I should stay there, but there was one reason why I shouldn't. Me. Sometimes it works for you. Sometimes it doesn't. Okay, I went to military high school because I was sort of a jerk when I was a kid. You know? But it was the 60s. I was young. I knew everything. You know? My parents knew nothing. You know? So they wanted to make a man of me. We're going to send you to military school where you're going to learn how to be a man. I said, okay. So I went to military school. Actually, it really helped. I, I, it changed the, my way of thinking about the world. But I was on the track team. I was on the track team, and I was a shot putter. Now, I was thin, but I had a certain level of strength that was, that was sort of hard to see right away. And so I'm at this meet, we had a, another high school in the town where the military school was, and we were, had a meet, track meet. And it was my turn to get up and do the shot put. And so I'm going to think about all the good things I'm going to do. I'm going to throw it further than I've ever thrown before. I'm going to put that shot at a distance that people will just be amazed. And there'll be acclaim and standing ovations when they see how good I am. Oh, man, yeah. And I'm up there and I'm thinking all this stuff and I'm thinking about how it's going to seem when everybody applauds me and pats me on the back. And so it was my turn and I did terrible. <laughs> it was the worst shot put I ever did. It hardly went anywhere. And I said, what? what's wrong? What did I do wrong? I figured it out years later. I thought about it. I thought about it. All those thoughts I had about being the best and better didn't change my performance at all. It made my performance worse. So then I thought to myself, 
maybe there is a right time. Maybe that was not the right time. Maybe I needed to wait a moment or two longer or, or shot put a moment or two earlier. But I didn't do it at the right time. So now, last year, I was thinking about this whole thing, and I thought, I'm going to test it out. I'm going to test it out to see if there's a right time. And so I'm feeding the cats, and I'm going to change the water. And I said to myself, internally, I'm going to get up and change the water. I didn't get up. I let the thought arise, exist, and pass away. And once the thought passed away, I got up. No resistance. It was like that was the right moment to get the water. I didn't pre-think getting up. I didn't think now's the time to get up. I didn't act on those thoughts. I waited till all those thoughts just sort of settled, and I got up. And that was the right time. So there seems to be a right time, and it doesn't seem to be connected to our thinking. Our thinking deludes us into wanting it to be the right time because you're ready, but the circumstance may not be ready either. So what are you going to do? Are you going to go with what you feel about it, or are you going to go with the 999 other things that determine if it's the right time to do, think, or say? What are you going to do? So you might want to just practice that and see how it works for you. When you have a thought, I'm going to change the channel, don't change the channel. Wait for the thought to go. You may not want to change the channel after the thought goes. Why did that thought come up in the first place? What's it trying to do to you? Is your thinking in charge of you? And if your thought is you, you are a prisoner. Because the mind thinks because that's its job. It's not real. It's not correct. It's not false. The mind just thinks all the time and decides how to keep you alive as best it can. But it doesn't have to be the master of your life. Your thought process can simply be a way to deal with the world. It can become a tool. And when you meditate at any, for any length of time, you start to realize how the thought process works and, and how it's good sometimes and not good some other times. And you have the choice of reacting to your thought or responding to the situation. You have a choice. And in that choice, you will find personal freedom. Everybody wants to be free, but nobody knows what that means. Free of what? You know, I want to be free of having to work. Okay, so you don't have to work any longer, but you still got to do stuff. You can't just not do anything. They just don't call it work anymore. Because when you work, they pay you. And why do they pay you when you work? Because it's terrible. Nobody wants to do it unless they get paid for it. So I don't want to work anymore. I want to do things that I like to do. Sometimes you get paid for doing things you like to do, but those people never say it's work. They say it's my passion. It's what I do. You know? Artists are like that. They, they like that. You know? And they'll spend 20 hours on a painting and say, 
No, there wasn't any time. It's just 20 hours. What else am I going to do? You know? So, be free. Be free. And the way to be free is the third aspect of Buddhist wisdom. You are not who you think you are. Non-self, no self, many selves, whatever that is to you, you know, that's not who you are. However you look at yourself, that is a construct, a mental construct. Thankfully, we have something called an ego or a personality that defines us. Okay. And so people say, well, who are you? And you tell them because of how you've defined yourself or how other people have defined you. Okay? But if you come to the conclusion that that is simply a process and not an event, not an event, that we are no longer events, we are part of the process, we are interconnected and interdependent, in an ever-changing reality. And there's no place to stand, and there's no one to be. Wow. Talk about free. And what happens when you get to that place in your practice is you can be anything you want to be. Because you'll never be anything else. It's what you think you are. Or what they think you are. You know? So all the people in your life think you're this way. You think you're that way. You're neither that nor this. You're simply a process. Consuming information and experiences and education. And that is manipulating and motivating you in a particular way for a while. And then everything changes. And then you're that different person. And everything changes. And you're another person. And I can remember, I think the second time I came uh, again, back again, one of the women, I forget her name, came up to me and said, You've changed. <laughs> You know, and I'm thinking to myself, well, we've had two years of pandemic. You know, everything is different. My favorite restaurants are gone. <laughs> yeah, I changed. I changed. Did I want to change? Did I even know I was changing? No, I just, just got up in the morning and did what I do. And then all of a sudden people say, you're doing it differently. Well, could be. I don't know. How did I do it before? You know, I don't know. How will I do it in the future? I, I don't know. But that's the joy of our life. The joy of our life comes from I don't know. I don't know. It's magical. Everything in our life, we, haven't, we have a, a suspicion of what direction we're going in and how it might be, but we don't really know. We don't know anything. We just think we do. And that gives us confidence and peace of mind until all that stuff we thought we knew turns out to be untrue. And then we have to relearn again and again and again. And the great part about being old 
is that we have relearned a thousand times without even knowing it. We have evolved. We have something to offer the world that the kids don't. Because the kids have only changed a thousand times. We've changed 10,000 times. We were around when they had a dial telephone. You know. <laughs> the kids can't even imagine that. You know. And it just goes, okay. So we had to let that go, and we had to relearn, and we had to relearn. And then we got the cell phone, and then we got the smartphone. And I still am trying to figure that damn thing out. <laughs> I'm on my computer all day long. I mean, Windows 10 and 11 make more sense than the smartphone, the Android smartphone. And so somebody sent me some pictures on my cell phone. Message me. Took these pictures at your last talk. I thought you'd like to have them. I hate to look at pictures on a cell phone. They're like this big. have to get my bifocals out, you know. And even that doesn't satisfy me. I want to see the pictures on my 27-inch monitor. That's where I want to see the pictures. So how am I going to do it? I said to myself, what, what kind of workaround do I need to get the pictures from my cell phone to my computer screen? And then I figured it out, Google Photo. That the Android can send your photos to your Google Photo online, and then you can go there and download them in full size. So I had to forget something in order to learn something, and it never gets easier. It only gets more complicated, and you only have more stuff, and that's why Amazon is doing such great work in making so much money, because you always need that other thing for it to work. Now you need the external hard drive just to save all your stuff in case the main drive fails. And if that's not good enough, you've got to go to the cloud and put all your stuff up there. And you just go, wow. So don't take it personal because you are not who you think you are. Life is ultimately unsatisfactory because everything changes all the time. Follow the five precepts. It's the best thing you can do for your karma. And that's one strategy in dealing with the chaos of the world.